Every season is spooky season in our book. So settle in and prepare to be shook. You are listening to Shook, a comedic podcast about all things paranormal and unexplained. I'm Santa. Hey, everybody. I'm Amanda. And let's see. Uh, well, first and foremost, this is our last episode of the year. 2022 good riddance (laughs) uh yeah so there's that and before we got really rolling santa and i were just talking about (laughs) uh (laughs) unfortunate ways that you could be found deceased uh and one of those things being unwashed so (laughs) i don't know you know, when you're just really depressed and you're in your sweatpants and you're contemplating what is the meaning of life and then suddenly you get what you wish for on accident and then the coroner's like, oh, dang, I really wish this person took a shower. At least. Uh, <laughs> my main thing is, like, having shaved my legs. I just don't want them to have to be like, damn. Because I bet the coroner and the coroner's assistant just, like, roast people you know what I mean like when they're doing the uh the the stuff in the dungeon (laughs) at the funeral home like I feel like they roast people like and for me they'd be like damn this bitch is hairy she couldn't have just shaved her legs like one time this week like leading up to this life event oh my goodness like damn (sighs) Yeah. So that's why I shave my legs at least once a week. Pretty much only once a week. So, well, okay. Another thing is, <laughs> I always <laughs> would say, <laughs> like as a teenager, because I was super just Tennessee or nothing, Tennessee or bus. I'd be like, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing anything other than a Tennessee shirt. I'm not gonna get caught dead wearing a Georgia shirt. And then I married a Georgia fan, and so now when we go to Athens, I have to put on red, you know, for support. And, yeah, um, (laughs) that's another thing. But, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. But primarily, I'm worried about passing away after a depressive episode and just not having bathed or shaved, like you said. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you're suffering, please get some help get get some help I, I i i think i need some more i've got my my pills but i think i might need a little more than that these days yeah same i just need some antibiotics like damn or at least please in addition Lord. to i i need like some other type of like health care yeah i what need, we got I need a doctor now to make a house it. call like, I wish doctors still made house calls. And they could bring, like, great. the x-ray machine and all that shit to the house. Just hook me up to all your fluids. Just hook me up, put me on the IV, and I give me the good stuff. I hate going to the hospital. I hate going to the hospital. I do, too. It's the worst. And I hate going to the doctor. And honestly, I probably will die before I go back to a hospital like, on my own free will. Like, it'll have to be, like, that I have passed out and someone else has called an ambulance against my will. With a razor in hand, Mm mid-shin. I'm not, I'm not going to a hospital again. After they did what they did to me, trying to find They did you dirty. 
Yeah, because, like, these bitches can't even find a vein out here. Yeah. Like, it shouldn't take three to four nurses to try and still not succeed. And then the next day when I went back to the hospital, the nurse got it, like, first try. Seriously, like, when I was in first grade, I got pneumonia and almost died. And they jabbed me in both thighs with super long needles. And then they tried to get a needle through my hand for the IV. And I swear it took half a dozen sticks for them to get it. But, I, you know, to their credit, I was extremely dehydrated. So oh I'm God. giving them the benefit of the doubt on that one. But I didn't know you had pneumonia. Yeah. That's scary. I was almost an Edgar Allan Poe poem. No. <laughs> I feel like I might be if I actually have pleurisy or something. That just sounds like something from the Victorian era. It does. But I think it's <laughs> pretty benign. I could be wrong. Pleurisy. That's good. Um, oh, guess what? I have another what? fun fact for you. I can't believe I forgot to tell you. What? All right, so Sana, my other fun fact. Uh, I went to the Reed House recently with Connolly. <laughs> Again? For a little staycay. Just a little, not a staycay. Chattanooga feels like home, but a vacay. I misspoke. But yeah, so we went to, we went to the Reed House and we actually stayed overnight. Uh, We were on the fourth floor and of course you can't stay in Annalise's room until October, but the host at, well, the front desk lady asked if we wanted a tour and we were like, heck yeah, and she said she would give us one if anybody became available and then give us a call, but unfortunately that didn't happen. But we did have some great steak uh, at Hennen's, which is really good, and we got to see I Catherine. Did you work at Hennen's? I was a host at Hennen's once. Oh yes. my god, that's so cool. And well, we had Catherine? a great time there. Yeah, we saw Catherine, and she gave me a little prezzy. Oh, she I gave me. It. She gave me this... Um, it's called it the amethyst? Super Super Seven bracelet. So it's got amethyst, smoky quartz, and a couple other ones. I don't think lipidol. What is it called? Lipidolite. I don't think that's yeah. one, but I thought it was originally. But I love it. I I haven't taken it off except for just now to show you. But Hell there's yeah. that, and I got the the I got the watercolored uh, calendar that she made, and it's perfect. I don't have it right next to me, otherwise I I'd want show you, one but of those. It's cute. It's cute. Um, but I yeah, so that's all I got. Do you have any other fun facts? I feel like I do have some. Oh, yes, I do have fun. There's stuff that I'm forgetting right now that I wanted to tell you all week. Oh. Fun fact, so my phone was broken for like over a week because um, I I drop my phone constantly and I'm always cracking the screen up. And the other night while I was making my weekly spaghetti um, in the kitchen, I dropped it off of the counter into the floor for the last time. Oh, no. And at that at that point the screen didn't work at all so anytime i tried to navigate the touch 
screen, it would just start calling people randomly. It called one of my managers at 1245 a.m. Oh, no. This bitch was being messy. This bitch was being messy, calling my manager. And my manager's wife was like, why is she calling? Oh, no. And I had to explain. I was like, Mark, uh, I didn't want nothing. My phone was just on the fritz. I had to do like I did you and like Siri voice command, be like, I, I didn't want nothing. My phone's just calling everybody. Oh, my gosh. And it was opening, it was opening random apps. And I was like, freaking out. So I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to even touch this shit. And I was off the grid for a week and I loved it. And even since I fixed my phone, which by the way, I repaired the screen all by myself. Yes. I did it all by myself and I just got a screen repair kit off of Amazon. So just so you know, if you ever break your phone, screen and it's like beyond repair don't go take it and pay a hundred dollars or more to the little kiosk thing in walmart or like the apple store or whatever don't you do it get on amazon and you can get a a screen repair kit for as little as like 25 dollars. i got a 48 dollar one because it came with all the tools i needed to succeed um but you can get them for cheaper than that. But $48 is a small price to pay That's compared to having to pay somebody else to do it. Because it's going to cost you at least 100 if not more. And, yeah. And it didn't take too long. It only took me an hour. But people that are good with – people who are, like, actual tech baddies, it might only take them, like, 20 minutes. But And that's on Santa's new side hustle. <laughs> yeah. So that Come on. Said, so that being said, actually, never mind. Um, don't fix your own phone. If you break your phone screen, uh, just I'll fix it. Come on. Just come on down. <laughs> I'll fix it for $50. Oh, my God. <laughs> just let me know. And you just got to find your way to Nash Vegas and we'll call it good. But that being said, <laughs> the being off the grid, like, was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me because I, my screen time was really like out of control. Um, like, especially as a person with ADHD, it's like, I can just be in the rabbit hole of any given app. TikTok was really my, uh, kryptonite or whatever. Like, (laughs) but yeah, TikTok was the main one that I could just get lost in for way too long. Yeah. And I haven't been on TikTok at all, not even one time since I fixed my phone, which I did a few days ago. So, and I plan on not doing it. And I've been so productive ever since I've been off the grid. Like, I finally finished. You're not going to believe that I even still was working on this. But remember when I was trying to finish that cross-stitch for Sonata of her Pomeranian. Oh my god, how did I know you were going to say that? (laughs) Oh my god, can I go get it? Can I go get it? Yeah, go get it. Go own. (laughs) Don't look at my back. I know Santa's going to cut this out, but the tea is she's wearing a promiscuous backless outfit 
I can't believe it. Just kidding. I it's got gorgeous. the contraband. <laughs> that feels good. I will say when I burp, it feels really good, like, in my chest. So I wonder if that's related or what, but whatever. Who knows? Anyways, so basically last year I started a special cross-stitch for my best friend Sonata um, of her Pomeranian Paxton, who is also known as my godson. Um, This thing I worked on for so long, and it sounds crazy to be working on a cross-stitch for a year, but if you knew how many colors, how many different colors of thread I had to use, it it was like a hundred different colors or something. Like, it was crazy. But anyway, this is it. (gasps) It's so cute. And I created the pattern on an app, like a pattern creating app that I can't think of right now. I think it was Stitchly or something. Um, based on this photo, this is an actual photo of Paxton. And so now I'm back on my cross stitching bullshit. And just so you know, I have made a pattern of our cover art already. I, I got on the computer and I, I made a pattern. Um, yeah. Of oh my God. Our podcast cover art and it has 50 different colors. And I've put, I'm going to Michael's. I'm going to do like a pickup order because I don't want to sift through all of them, but I've already put in all the colors that I need because I already have a lot of the colors. Yeah. Um, yeah. So once I finish the other cross stitch project that I also have been working on for two years for my parents for Christmas, I'm going to start on our cross stitch. And That's awesome. Once I finish that, it's going on the wall. And then also the pattern is going to go on Patreon. Genius. Yes. It'll be like if you want to do whatever. Nobody might not want to do it, but we can put it on Patreon. Hell yeah. We love to see it. We love digital content. <laughs> and then my last fun fact is probably the funnest of them all. I received this week in my mailbox a ghost book (laughs) from none other than Amanda. Yay! Amanda surprised me with a ghost book called Haunted Nashville, which I can't believe that I did not have a Haunted Nashville book prior to this. I do have this other book about the Carnton Plantation, but it's just specifically to the Mm -hmm. Carnton Plantation. This covers like a lot of different um, hauntings. Some of them are well known, but there's some stuff that I really didn't know. Um, So cool. We love to see it. And I want to go to all the places. Anyways, yes, thank you for sending me this ghost book. You're welcome. You can always send me ghost books. Thank you for my. Oh. Go get it, go get it. Okay, hang on. I want to see it in the flesh. I've only seen the picture. So, my other fun fact is that Santa's gift to me was super awesome. Because as you know, we are huge Laura's Feeding Art stands. And she gave me this amazing Gary 
He's so cute, and he's Aww. supposed to be holding. He's supposed to be holding a little black carnation, um, and as he's got a little hole for it right here. You can't really see it, but yeah, you can put any bouquet. like little like lavender in there, whatever, like a little sprig of yeah. rosemary, whatever you want to do, whatever you want. So I had it in there for a while, but my cats got curious, <laughs> so I was like, Ugh, don't want them to eat this probably painted thing because you know, don't want to get. Don't want them to get poisoned. All right. It's a choking hazard. Choking hazard. And I also got these super cute Gary yes, stickers. They're so cute. Um, in fact, I'm going to leave these on my desk so I can put them both on my laptop next to our Shook sticker. <clears throat> but yes. Yeah. Thanks, Santa. I love it. You're so welcome. And that Gary figurine is limited edition. And I'm willing to bet that there's not any left in her store. But you should go check. Um, cause she might still have some, I don't know, but who knows? I might've gotten the last one. There were only like three left when I got that one, but it's okay if you missed out on the Gary figurine, because there's so many great prints in the Lars beating art Etsy store. And she even has like holiday prints. Um, she has holiday prints and just regular Gary out in the wilderness, Gary out at the carnival doing all the Gary's we love all the it. Gary's and even some just like some stuff isn't Gary and it's just like landscapes or mm-hmm. you know some little still life moments oh my gosh so we had we had so many fun facts um we were just overflowing with fun facts today <laughs> but I guess we also have to tell some ghost stories so what story had you shook this week Oh, Santa, I'm so glad you asked. I'll happily tell you the story that had me shook this week. So, without further ado, the story that had me shook this week is the Whitmore Mansion. Oh. Yes. So, the Whitmore Mansion is a Victorian home that is in Nephi, Utah, which is, I want to say, south of Salt Lake City. And it was built in 1898 by Oscar M. Booth. And the primary resident of this house was named George Carter Whitmore. So I think the full name of the house is the George Carter Whitmore House. It is on the National Register of Historic Places. And although it's a beautiful Victorian home, it does have a sinister past, if you will. Oh, no. So, before I get into the mansion itself, I did want to give you a little bit of backstory on the area, Nephi, Utah. Um, in Nephi, Utah, in 1853, which was, oh gosh, what is math? I don't know. Several years before the house was built, um, there was a massacre of the Goshoot tribe. I want to say there were seven members of the Goshoot tribe who, after being dug up, they were found to have been shot. And just a really brutal, brutal death for all of them. They were killed by the Mormons of Utah. I guess there was some dispute over the land or what have you, but in any case, obviously, it's not right to do that. So, there's kind of a, a little bit of a sinister past there with that. And 
where this massacre took place, I want to say, is about eight blocks away from where this mansion is. This mansion, uh, it's believed to be cursed, and it's currently open to the public. Um, I did recently watch a Ghost Adventures episode on this. It's in, I think, the most recent season, season 25, if you want to check that out. And in this episode... In this episode, the owner, the current owner, her name is Jackie Clements, she said that a family member who was staying at the home one time had a bad sleep paralysis episode where there were two men that appeared to be dressed in old-timey clothing that were standing over her bed, completely freaked her out. And one of the men's believed to be Mr. Whitmore. But who is the other fellow? Well, another thing about this place is... Mr. Whitmore was a huge cattle guy. He was also in the Senate. Like, he did all kinds of cool stuff. He was an important figure. And there was a man, or rather a boy named Joe, Joe Walker, who had these cattle. And he wasn't able to take care of them because he was too young. So his parents said, hey, let's have, let's, let's have Mr. Whitmore take care of these cows while, you know, you become of age. And then you can come reclaim your property. Well... Allegedly, when Joe became of age and was ready to reclaim his cattle, he went up to Mr. Whitmore and said, hey, can I get these cows back? And uh, Mr. Whitmore said, no, you can't have them. (laughs) They're mine. (laughs) These cattle are mine. I was trying to do the (laughs) suck it is mine voice. (laughs) Suck it. Socket is a man. Anyways. <laughs> Remember Jessica? Yeah. As your maker, I command you. I command. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, basically, he's like, hey, can I get my cattle back? He said, no, you can't. And it caused a ruckus. Uh, violence ensued. Uh, apparently, there was a posse that Mr. Whitmore had gathered around and said, hey, let's take care of this motherfucker right here. He's got my cows. But hey, there were Joe's cows. He was just holding on to him for a little bit, you know? Just just holding on. Kind of like a layaway. <laughs> keeping, he was just keeping the seat warm. He was. I don't know, you know, let bygones be bygones, but there was some sort of misunderstanding. There had to have been because this posse killed Joe. And when his remains were found on the property of this house, the mansion, he had a bullet to the back of his head. So they did him real dirty. And so, yeah, that's, that's one reason aside from the go shoot massacre Another reason why the mansion might be cursed. There was lots of uproar about what happened, and obviously. And there were some newspaper clippings that they showed on the episode that said, uh, He was just an old defenseless cowboy trying to get back his own. Joe Walker never harmed anyone in his life. And that was said by Miss Jensen. Miss Jensen, don't know who you are, but that was really sweet of you to say. And then another clipping said, Joe Walker was at our ranch when the Castle Gate robbery happened, and he didn't leave once. Whatever that means. (laughs) Basically, he was just a stand-up guy. Everybody loved him. 
Sounds like he was just a good old boy. He's just a good old cowboy. So, you know, disagreement. Just a, a heated disagreement gone awry. So, I guess in any case, the real truth about what really happened is kind of up for debate. Uh, but that's kind of the narrative they're going with is that he got shot because he tried to reclaim his own and he didn't like it. Uh, let's see. So, so Carrie is interviewed in this episode and that is Jackie's sister-in-law. And she said that she believes it's a portal to the home. And she said that her son had also had an experience. He had a ghostly encounter uh, with an imaginary friend named Riley. And so she met with a psychic medium. And she asked specifically about the imaginary friend. And the medium said that there's a dark entity attached to her son. So Carrie felt the presence of a spirit next to her during her time with the medium, and she believes that one of the spirits might be her deceased ex-husband, who had died a couple of years prior to filming. Uh, Zach and Jackie are sitting down together just chatting, and they kind of both feel an energy shift, and their EMF detectors kind of go a little bit crazy. And then... They capture a photo, a Polaroid, of a partial apparition on the stairs. So it looks like, so on these stairs, the stairs are going to be important. It looks like there's kind of like a, a drawn out orb looking type thing, but it's not just a, it's not just a little circle. It's like several little, it's like a line, a string of spirits, I guess. It just looks kind of funny. And they weren't, I don't think they were able to replicate it. So it wasn't debunked or anything. Um, but that whole Polaroid photograph is corroborated by a matching SLS anomaly stick figure. Um, so then they decide they're going to keep investigating. So uh, a visitor comes by and tells Zach that just a few blocks away, that's where the human remains of that Go Shoot tribe massacre had taken place. That's where those remains are found. Not too far. And they were a peaceful tribe. They were just killed needlessly by the Mormons. And after that's explained, there's a psychic named Vivian. And she comes to visit the mansion. Uh, Vivian, she immediately picks up on the heavy emotion upon entering. And Aaron, he says that he felt something touch him. I know he did. He felt it. He just, he, he just felt it. If anybody's going to feel it, it's Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) If anybody's going to get touched by a demon, it's Aaron. Touched by an angel. (laughs) Do you remember that? Was that a show? That was... I watched that show all the time when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) For me, it was Charmed, but I'm pretty sure my mom also watched... Yeah, Touched by an Angel. Oh, I watched Um, it all the time on PAX TV. mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they also had Diagnosis Murder on there. Mm, diagnosis Murder. I forgot about that. Yeah, Damn. that was Dick Van Dyke. Shoot. <laughs> All these yeah. shows I keep forgetting about. Um, okay, so so Aaron says that he felt something touch him, of course. And then Vivian says that she thinks that a little girl named Sarah may have touched him. And that she had run down the hall. That's what she sensed. 
So oftentimes in this mansion, folks report seeing the little girl uh, through the upstairs window. And they keep taking photos and doing all their stuff. And they capture this crab-like SLSTIC figure. It's really creepy looking. It's giving demonic TBH. And there's just this negative energy shift in the room. And nobody liked that. (laughs) (laughs) So while investigating the bedroom where those two old tiny guys were seen in the sleep paralysis episode, Zach captures an unexplained, indistinguishable EVP. It sounds a little bit like a man's voice. It's kind of mumbly. And Zach asks, who's there? Well, upon playback, it sounds like the male figure says, I'm the ringleader. Sounds like something Mr. Whitmore would say if you ask me, because he thinks he's the head honcho in this town. He's going to take down anybody who crosses him, takes Mm -hmm. his cattle, even though they're not his, etc. So that's on Ego. Um, (laughs) Everybody clears out so the Ghost Avengers team can investigate overnight, and Prior to the nighttime investigation, Aaron kind of experiences some health scares, if you will. He doesn't feel right. He says, okay, (laughs) are you ready? He says, something is telling me to go to the basement. (laughs) No. (laughs) Don't go in the basement. I don't remember if he says those exact words, but I wrote down in my notes, basically, I wrote, I said, something's telling him to go to the basement, and so he does. And then I put a note, I said, LOL, Aaron, go to the basement, like in the Reddit. I'm thinking the something that's telling him to go to the basement is just Zach Bagan. Probably. In an earpiece, being like, go to the basement. Psst. Oh, my God. It's so funny. So, oh, 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 no, no, no. Check it out. Zach goes with him. Oh. So, Aaron and Zach go to the basement, and when they're down there, they hear a strange voice. And later, Aaron hears a woman's voice go, ooh. And he freaks out. He jumps back. He scares Zach. And he knows Zach was like, (gasps) you know, just (laughs) totally just auditioning for something uh, what's a good scary show that he would be auditioning for besides Ghost Adventures? Fear Factor. I don't know. Do you remember High that octane show? fear. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he makes he makes a scene as usual. Zach then feels like he's being called to go to the bedroom where those two men were seen, the old timey guys. And Zach captures on the thermal camera two distinct male figures. And girl, I'm going to show you this because I took a photo of it. Where'd it go? Here it is. I don't know if you're going to be able to see this. I really hope so, but I'll text it to you if need be. You see that? You see that shit? What? There's a body and there's a body. Bodies, bodies, bodies. Great movie. I believe it is. You've got to see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies if you haven't. Oh, I do want to see that. Pete Davidson, dude. He's awesome in it. Um, okay, cool. So there's that. <clears throat> to me, that was probably the most compelling piece of evidence that I saw on this episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're icy blue. For those who are not watching the YouTube video, they're icy blue. So obviously, 
cold like a spirit would be. So that checks out. Um, and the figures, they're very close to where the, the EVPs were captured. So that kind of corroborates the other. They capture an EVP that says, it hurts. And then an unexplained hiss. Sounds like there's a snake in the grass. There's a snake in my boots. <laughs> in my cowboy boots. There's a snake in my mansion. So who knows? It could have been a rattlesnake because pretty sure Utah's a muck with rattlesnakes. Okay? Probably. I learned it on Animal Planet. <sighs> Jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Aaron starts acting pretty weird. He's entranced. And he's aggressively gesturing towards the camera. And then Zach captures an EVP where the spirit says their name is Winston. So there are these creepy dolls in the house. And they take one of them and they place them in the hallway. And then they hear an unexplained boom. This scares the shit out of Aaron. He abruptly jumps back downstairs he can't handle it and billy explains that aaron said that he felt like he had been bitten so yikes again kind of giving that demonic vibe and zach picks up an evp that says texas which is where the whitmores were originally from billy and zach review the recording and when zach starts to review it a second time billy basically says you know, we've already done this. And Zach is so confused. So it's like he has no memory of listening to this audio back already. And I don't know if it's due to how they edited everything in the episode, but it really does sound like Zach is playing the the audio back for Billy for a first time. And then they cut and then it comes back and he's doing it. And he's like, Billy's like, bro, like, what? We, why are, we've already listened to this, man. And he, and he's like, I feel like you're. <laughs> Tell me if this is my good Billy voice, okay? <clears throat> Audition for Billy Ghost Adventures, take one. <laughs> I feel like you're trying. <laughs> I really feel like you're trying to play some kind of cruel joke on me, man. It's not funny, man. We've already listened to this, man. <laughs> No. <laughs> and cut. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's almost, it's giving gaslight. But, I mean, was he gaslighting him? Because to me, the way that it was edited, it does look like they were going through the motions of playing back that EVP. So I guess there's a part in the in the EVP where, or in the recording where someone's singing Ring Around the Rosie or something like that. And he's like, I've already heard this, man. He's just losing it. He's just losing it. And so, yeah, they get in a fight. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> oh, yeah, this is my note. <laughs> he says he never heard Zach sing Ring Around the Rosie. And Billy says, he's yeah, that's when he says, he feels like he's playing a joke on me, man. And then Billy then goes on to say that the spirits, he says, these spirits are not allowed in my mind or my body, and I compel anything inside me to leave. Pretty much is what he says, kind of, sort of. It's um, tainted. It's tainted. <laughs> okay, so this Dark whole side. time, listen to this. 
So this whole time, Aaron, he's gone. He's just MIA. Nobody knows where he's at. And Zach goes to look for him. And then suddenly he finds Aaron just zoned out on the stairs with his arms like this. And he looks like a freaking monster. Like he doesn't look like himself. It's very blurry and off-putting and just unsettling. Zach freaks out. He's like, whoa, like I, what's going on? And Aaron says, I didn't know I was standing there. And he just starts sobbing. He's, He's completely confused. He has no freaking clue how he got on those stairs. Mind you, the stairs are where those those partial apparitions were captured with that with that Polaroid. So he's just crying and he he bolts off and he goes off to nerve center where Jay's located. And then Zach, he states that he thinks that the home is full of portals. Um and me personally reflecting on that whole sequence of events all at the same time all three of them were kind of in this well maybe except for zach they were kind of in this like fugue state like they were all very confused as if they had just eyes glazed over and they just dissociated for a while like it it doesn't make any sense Aaron didn't know that he was standing on the stairs and Billy was convinced that he had already heard the EVP. So I don't know, but there's just a bunch of confusion. And uh, Billy, he takes the paranormal puck too. And he asks, where's Joe? Joe being the, the boy who came to reclaim his cattle and was shot by the posse. He says, where's Joe? And it says, attic. So the, the paranormal puck, too, is the one that gives really monotone answers back. And it goes, attic. And then Billy goes on to ask, he says, where's the portal? And the puck says, hell. <laughs> Billy says, what's in the attic? <laughs> Although he probably doesn't say it like that. It's probably way more chill. Like, <laughs> what's in the attic, dude? And it says, evil. So, with all that said... Billy asks more questions, and it keeps saying attic just over and over again. So at the end of the show, they're wrapping it up, and Zach pretty much just says with an uncertainty that he thinks it's portals. He once again reiterates that he thinks it's portals. So in my opinion, there's a lot of just bad energy surrounding that location, not only for the... Uh, attack on Joe Walker, but also the Go Shoot Tribe massacre that had happened not far from the home. There's a bunch of different reasons why it could have bad energy. It could be one thing, could be the other, it could be a culmination. So who knows? But that's the haunting. That's what I uh, got from that episode. I read some articles as well. Uh, I found that this place is open to the public they do tours and i think you can stay there um the owners at the time of recording i think are still the ones that own it now but nobody lives there permanently i guess they couldn't handle all these spirits but on google the whitmore mansion has a 4.4 star rating and in the reviews everybody just rants and raves about the owners they say they're great and the entire home is just it's gorgeous. Everybody loves it. Um, yeah. 
I could read all of these reviews, but I'll spare you the deets. You can find it if you want to. Come on, let's go. Come on. Come on, let's get some more patrons on the Patreon so we can go. Let's go. <laughs> but yeah, so that is the Whitmore Mansion, the George Carter Whitmore Mansion. Okay. And I hope you liked that story. I loved your retelling of the entire Ghost Adventures episode. Oh, thanks. <laughs> no, actually, I truly did because the tea is I'm probably not going to watch it. I watch it every now and then, but I can't really watch it by myself because I actually get very scared. Like when mm. I watch Ghost Adventures because they really do play up the like shit. I can't like, watch it after a certain time, like at nighttime, if I'm trying yeah. to go to sleep. Just the only during the day can I watch it. The by music, myself. the sound effects, the yeah, like it exactly. Me out. I can't. The editing um, is like too much, so it's like I yeah, I can't, I can't. It's it's a lot. Um, no I did want to shout out. No, it's it's fine. It's fine. But I did want to shout out this podcast that I found called Inhuman, a true crime podcast. And because Ew. of the true crime esque beginning of this tale, I wanted to give them a listen. And they did a really good deep dive um, on the history of the home. And especially they go really well into uh, George Carter Whitmore's history as well. And just for the sake of time, I figured I'd just tell you guys about the, the juicy EVPs that were caught in the uh, Ghost Adventures episode. Uh, but definitely yeah. check them out. I thought they were... I thought they did a really great job telling that story. So, hey, yeah, yeah, that's my story. That was what story really had you? Awesome, hunty. Thank you. What story had you shook? I chose a story from my new ghost book, Haunted Nashville, which just so everyone knows is written by Frankie Harris and Kim Meredith Harris, and they are the founders of the Nashville Ghost Tours as well as the Haunted Tavern Tours, which are like a separate ghost tour thing where it's kind of like a pub crawl. Oh my um, God, I want to go. Take me there. Yeah, we need to do both. Um, but yes, this book really has a lot of uh, great, great stuff about downtown locations, outside of downtown locations, as well as they even cover the Bell Witch. Ooh. But today, I want to talk about a story called Murder in Printer's Alley. So I'm going to read this story because I want to. Sorry. Sorry if y'all are tired of me reading stories. It's because I, I come ill-prepared a lot of times. It's uh, fine. But I will say, I am going to be prepared for our next episode and I already know what I want the title to be. Okay. And there's no way that you're going to disagree. It's a good one. Are you doing The Bell Witch? No. Okay. I can't wait for you to do that one. I can't it, wait. I am going to do that one. I really, really want to wait until we go. Yeah, we have so to. So that we can kind of both go. talk about it. Because it could be an episode where we both talk about it, really. I like that. You know? Yeah. We can kind of just like tell about like our journey and that could be the episode talking about it and then it could have like supplemental like video content for the patreon yeah. and stuff like you know what i mean yeah it'll be an event and but for the next episode it's gonna have something to do with 
you know the saying new year new me oh yeah it's gonna be new year comma something that's perfect that's all i'm gonna say and it does tie into what my story is gonna be about i can't wait so yeah i'm gonna come prepared on the next episode but for now i'm reading the story so murder in printer's alley Historic Printer's Alley runs between 3rd and 4th Avenues just off Church Street in the heart of downtown Nashville. The nickname is due to the fact that printing has always been one of the prime industries in the city, and in the early days, that area housed many of the city's printing presses. During the sweltering months of summer, the presses would escalate the heat so the printers could often be seen taking breaks in the alley to cool off. So they were probably just, like, out there in the alley, like, taking their cig breaks and stuff, um, which people <laughs> still to God, this I day this be doing that. God damn it, I can't wait till this holiday season's over. <laughs> Ferris and Daywa, shout out. Um, <laughs> the sight of dozens of printers laughing and carousing is why the alleyway became known as Printer's Alley. Even though the area has evolved and changed a number of times over the years, the nickname has persevered. And so Printer's Alley, um, it actually, if you've, if you've never been to Printer's Alley, um, the entrance to it, there's this big crosswalk and then a, a giant sign that lights up at night that says Printer's mm-hmm. Alley. And on the middle, in between Printer's and Alley, there's this figure of a guy who has like a newspaper mm. um, to symbolize the printing, the printing symbolism. Um, so even though the area has evolved and changed a number of times over the years, the nickname has persevered since that time. Printers alley has had the unfortunate, albeit deserved reputation for violence and crime. In the late 1800s, there were over 90 different brothels in the downtown area. Wow. Like 90? Wow. I can't wrap my head around. I cannot wrap my head around 90 brothels existing in a location. One, two, three, four, five, maybe. But 90? That's a lot. That's a fuck ton of brothels. I don't know. I'm speechless. And so (laughs) because of all of these brothels, Nashville had a reputation for very high venereal disease rates. Oh, no. So Nashville was known as the STD capital of the country back in the 1800s. Okay. Nasty, (laughs) nasty Nashville. Nasty. Skank nasty. <laughs> That's nasty. Get that out of your mouth. <laughs> I think get that out of your mouth might be the title of this one. So there were two major reasons for all the brothels. Um, mm-hmm. Even since we're trying to make sense of how there were so many brothels, there were reasons for it. So... Nashville was apparently a major military port at the time. So I guess there was a lot of in and out traffic. 
Um, and then, of course, after the Civil War, there were a lot of women who were widowed and needed to support themselves one way or another. Yeah, in and out traffic, in and out dick. You know what I'm saying? And they said sink or swim, bitch. <laughs> they really did. They they really did say. And that's probably also why there were 90 brothels, because there were probably a lot of women that were like, down. Yeah. You know? But I hate that they were getting diseases and shit. Yeah, that really I sucks. Hate, I hate that for them. Yeah. So... Many viewed the red light district as a blemish on the city and were glad when prohibition laws were passed. Most of the saloons around town were closed and many were demolished during this era. The saloons of Printer's Alley were spared because they were under police protection by the mayor. Mm. This is why this block holds some of the oldest buildings on that side of town. Local lawyers, businessmen, and politicians would frequent the gambling dens, brothels, and speakeasies in the alley. When a local reporter asked the mayor at the time whether or not he supported the businesses in the alley, he was famously quoted, protect them? I patronize them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, like, the local government was pretty, like casual and open about the fact that like they're gonna get theirs regardless they're gonna get it honestly legalize it already yeah they're gonna get theirs regardless in printer's alley and that area is designated for them and everybody else can fuck off so basically they were saying like they they were shutting down all these hard-working small businesses all over town but keeping just enough open for the local politicians, businessmen, and lawyers mm -hmm. to get fucked. Okay. And probably get STDs. Mm. Yeah, somebody's giving it to them. Yeah. Keep, keep those STDs circulating, Mayor of Nashville. <laughs> Ironically... There had never been a single documented case of homicide in Printer's Alley until Prohibition. Not even during the Civil War. This introduced organized crime to the area. Mm. Nashville was a bootlegging port for Al Capone, who himself mm. often stayed in Nashville on business, which I remember Al Capone staying at the Reed House, too. Yep. He was from your Reed House all? story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. all over Tennessee. He was out here doing his organized crime all over the South. So many of the murders that happened during that time were reported to be turf wars between various criminals. So that's pretty much all the murder that happened then. And then during the 1950s and 60s, the alley was a great late night spot for live country music. After the Grand Ole Opry would let out a few blocks away, many of the performers, like Hank Williams and Dolly Parton, would play great midnight shows. From the 1970s through the 1980s, the alley had a reputation for violence, but starting in the early 90s, Nashville worked to revitalize the area. They ran out most of the seedier establishments, 
opening the area to blues, karaoke, and country-western music venues. Printer's Alley today is an off-the-path tourist attraction for its French architecture, reminiscent of New Orleans' French Quarter. As one walks down the narrow alley, passing gaudy neon lights, reverberating guitars, barkers jostling for customers, there stands a century-old building. The remaining frame of an electric sign hangs 20 feet over the cobblestone path below. Boarded up windows and cobweb covered doorway. Boarded up windows and a cobweb covered doorway draw only a cursory glance from the alley's patrons. Only a few locals remember that this abandoned nightclub was the site of one of Nashville's most famous and tragic murders when it was known as the Rainbow Room. It was located on the bottom level of a much larger building with a remarkable history. When first opened in the 1890s, the Southern Turf was considered the finest saloon and brothel in Nashville and catered to the city's most elite gentlemen. The Southern Turf was just doors away from similar establishments like the appropriately named Utopia Hotel and Climax Theater. Oh, we love a climax. <laughs> the Climax Theater. In the early 1900s, this row of buildings on 4th Avenue, back then it was called Cherry Street, was known as the Men's District for its cigar shops, billiards, and upscale saloons. These other locations paled in comparison to the grandeur of the Southern Turf. The turf was decorated with tropical plants, mahogany wood, rare art, bronze statues, racing prints, and large mirrors. They served imported cigars and boasted an unparalleled wine list. The ladies' rooms upstairs were eventually equipped with secret passageways in case the police ever raided them. Skull Shulman worked at and owned a variety of nightclubs in Printer's Alley from the 1930s until his murder in 1998. <gasps> in murder. Mm-hmm. Murder. In interviews, he rarely talked about his early years in the alley. He did once tell of a gambling den at which he worked. The room had green felt tables all around, but was missing the lines that would indicate that they were used for various gambling games. When the lights above the tables were turned on, the lines would appear on the tables below. This way, if they were tipped that the police were coming, they could flip off the lights and the tables would transform into innocent-looking surfaces. Hmm. Other than the small anecdote, there is little information about his early years there which has led to speculation about his connections to organized crime. Nationally, Shulman was famous for a recurring role on a TV show called Hee Haw. On the show, he could usually be seen in the background wearing farmer's coveralls and a silver skull-shaped belt buckle. He always had a couple of dogs on leashes with him as well. He had been given the role on the show as a token of gesture for introducing many of the cast members to the producer. Skull continued to dress that way off the show as well, with the coveralls and belt buckle. He was a fixture of downtown in his getup, 
walking around with a hee-haw clock resting oddly on the bill of his cap, and several dogs on leashes. He dressed this way largely so that he could be recognized for his part on hee-haw, using that to lure fans into his establishments. Mm. Marketing genius. Mm -hmm. Skull was a huge animal lover and always seemed to have several poodles with him. Their fur would be dyed different colors, like blue, red, or green. By all accounts, Skull Shulman was an eccentric man who often drew curious looks from passersby. Personal opinions about him vary greatly. Some have described him as cruel and vindictive, while others have spoken of how generous he could be with his money, often giving cash to the homeless or struggling musicians. One of Skull Shulman's flaws was that he always carried large amounts of cash on him. This led to a few muggings throughout his life. Yikes. Skull, yeah, you can't be carrying those cash wads like that. And oh, that is so can't. classic. That's like classic old man to just be carrying around a wad. You know what I mean? Yeah, fat one, fat, yeah. Can't be doing that. Skull shared one such story about a robbery that occurred five years before his death. A man was beating him up in a robbery attempt. The thief landed blow after blow. Between punches, Skull looked up at the man and made eye contact. The thief's jaw dropped. Skull later laughed about how the man had recognized him from hee-haw and was starstruck. The thief exclaimed he was a big fan of Skull's and that he was very sorry to have to rob him, but he really needed the money. Well done. Unbelievable. <laughs> I hate to do this to you. I, I hate to do you like that. I'm going to need that money. <laughs> Unbelievably, the man continued to beat up Shulman and stole his money, despite being a big fan. Whatever flaws Skull may have had, he didn't deserve his fate. His death occurred at one of the alley's better-known clubs, the Rainbow Room. Mm. On the afternoon of Sunday, January 21st, 1998, that's my dad's birthday, January 21st. Aww. On the afternoon of Sunday, January 21st, 1998, two drifters planned a robbery. They were aware that Skull was a wealthy man. One of the men stood out front, watching nervously for anyone who might come by while the other man slid inside. Skull was tending the bar alone. The man rushed Skull, demanding he turn over the register. Unfortunately, Skull fought back, and a struggle ensued. Both men tumbled about the bar of Rainbow Room in an awkward, violent dance. They crashed into the side of the bar, shattering tumblers and bottles everywhere. Clutched in each other's grasp, the thief reached for a piece of broken glass. <gasps> he grabbed it and attacked Skull Shulman, slitting his throat. Gasping for air and clawing helplessly at the wound, Skull Shulman slumped to the ground. The thief cleaned out the register and left. When he exited the bar, he and his partner took off in different directions, planning to meet up later. Yikes, that's brutal. Ugh. I hate him. I hate him. A few hours later, a cigarette vendor came into the rainbow room and saw the broken glass and the opened register. The vendor's eyes scanned the room and came upon Skull's body on the floor. Mm -mm. 
He ran over to the man. Skull still had a pulse, but just barely. The vendor called the police and waited. An ambulance whisked Skull away to the hospital. That evening, his friend, Tammy Wynette, sang to him at his bedside. He did not survive the night. Mm. Skull Shulman was 80 years old at the time of his death. It's so crazy because... So he he maintained his business from 1930 to 1998. So he was active in, in Printer's Alley for s- every freaking era of American yeah. history uh, from 19th century. Yeah. And 1998 wasn't even that long ago. Mm-mm. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. <laughs> if I if I really think about how long ago it was, I will feel very old. I was eight years old in 1998. Bruh, I still think that the <laughs> 70s were 30 years ago, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm 33, yeah. and I was born in 89. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> no. And also, I'm – I just – the thought of, like, somebody just hurting an old man like that. Oh, my how God, could he you was 80. It? Yeah, and with the fucking with the shard of glass, that's just just pieces just of shit, dude. Next level cruelty. I hope they died. I always say that <laughs> every time somebody kills somebody, I'm like, I hope they died in a ditch. I cast a um, hex on you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I hope they're enjoying hail. So, the story made national headlines and was featured on America's Most Wanted due to Skull's fame. There weren't any eyewitnesses, and speculation about Skull's murderer was rampant. Skull had made many enemies in business over the years, leading most to believe that he was targeted. Despite countless hours of investigation by the police, the trail ran cold. The murder had been considered by most to be forever unsolved. It appeared that Skull's killers would never be identified. But... Five years later, one of the men was arrested in Nebraska on a completely separate charge. During the intensity of the interrogation, the man broke down. He confessed to a variety of crimes that he had committed in his life, including the murder of Skull Shulman. He later turned on his partner, and that man was also subsequently arrested. Both men were eventually tried and convicted on a number of accounts, including Skull's murder. They were each given the death penalty. Their names were Jason Spence and James Cavey. Since that grisly murder, the Rainbow Room has been closed. It's been used as a makeshift storage building by the Blues Bar next door. The Blues Club would keep items that weren't needed on a daily basis, like extra chairs, tables, or cases of glasses in the empty club. Over time, the staff began having inexplicable episodes. The barbacks would often enter the storage room alone to fetch a keg or a case of napkins. On some occasions, they would claim to hear whispers from all around. They would spin in circles trying to spy the source, but the room would prove empty. If an employee would happen across the part of the floor where Skull's body was found, he would often feel severe coldness, even though the room itself was very hot and stuffy. Cold spots are a common symptom of haunted locations. Some of the witnesses described seeing a dark shadow figure crossing the room, although no actual person was there. It was frequently reported that a sweet smell could be picked up in the air, like aqua velva or Stetson. 
Skull was famous for his cheap colognes. On a particular evening, a couple of years after Shulman's murder, one of the barbacks from the Blues Club entered the old rainbow room to retrieve a rack of glasses. The room was dark, but he knew the layout and where he was going. This hulking man with long red hair crossed the floor and knelt like a weightlifter to pick up the heavy glasses. Just as he was about to lift, he felt a hand plop down on his right shoulder. He spun around, half expecting a fight, but no one was there. That night, he told the manager that from now on, he would only go inside if he had a partner with him. His manager found it amusing that such a large man would need an escort anywhere. Over the years, a variety of ghost hunters have claimed to have captured Skull on film. Most of the pictures of him have been taken at the doorway entering the Rainbow Room. The photographs themselves are always clear, but to the right of the door, often a bright cloud emerges. It appears that the face of Skull Shulman is inside this multicolored cloudburst. It's logical that he chose to materialize in this location because in life, he was known to sit on a little folding chair in this spot, taking money at the door with his poodles all around his feet. And that's the story of the murder in Printer's Alley. So I work around Printer's Alley. Um, so that's why I was drawn to this story. And so another reason I was drawn to this story is because literally the night before last, when I was at work, there was a woman who got mugged right outside in Printer's Alley, or right outside of Printer's Alley. And, well, the, a man tried to mug her, and she stabbed him three times. So, like he did Bailey? not... Yeah, he died. He did not succeed Ooh. in murdering her. He did not succeed in mugging her. Um, she successfully defended herself. Well, good for her. I mean, you play with fire, you mean, play stupid games, you win stupid prizes. Mm-hmm. And so once again, once again, there was a, an ambulance outside of Printer's Alley. But yeah, so that was a really interesting story for me. Oh, yeah. And no freaking clue there, that there was a hee-haw murder. My mom yeah. told me about that show. I don't, I don't remember if she said she liked it or if she hated it, but in any case. Most people loved hee-haw. Did they? Then maybe she loved it. But yeah, it's I never heard of any kind of scandal like that like that's yikes yeah it was like a variety show like yeah a, a country folk variety show country folk snl yeah <laughs> yeah i yeah that that man like he really he was out here for a long time yeah like when you hear of an 80 year old or however old person die, you think, oh, natural causes, not freaking stabbed with a fucking piece of glass. Jeez. It's just so fucked up. I want to go see him at the yeah. Rainbow Room. I feel like he would like me he and would. Would, not, would not do me dirty. And I don't think that his spirit is a bad spirit. I just, oh, I just of course don't. not. Will you walk me to my car? Yeah. I'm in me mom's car. Boom, boom. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> Do you remember that vine? 
I think so. Oh it my was god, like I miss Vine. Vine back in the day. I'm in me mom's car. Broom, broom. <laughs> That's how she said well, broom, broom. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Did you but see anyway. the story that I shared recently? Because um, the accent sounded kind of Australian or British. British. I don't know, but it was British. Well, <laughs> it made me think of the R&R thing. Well, I <laughs> Catherine sent me this reel of a guy in a boat it's like doo, doo, doo. it says me you know pretty much saying i say r and r too much and so now i've got a good australia or whatever it was yes <laughs> my friends are tired of me saying r and r i do say it too much i know I'm, i might have to retire it it's it's ingrained in my brain now i'm going to retire it or send it on a holiday holiday i'm sending yeah. i'm sending nar on holiday <laughs> i don't know if i can make the same promise but i'll try <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring you santa from the beyond just kidding it's it's santa in post-production it turns out i was spreading some misinformation all over the place when amanda and i first recorded this episode. I used one source, as I tend to do. This book was printed in 2009. So at the time that this book was published, the Rainbow Room was still boarded up. But in 2015, Skull's Rainbow Room was reopened as the entity that it is today. So you can go to Printer's Alley today and you can go to Skull's Rainbow Room. I just wanted to reach out from the beyond with this unfinished business to stop the spread of misinformation now. But yeah, y'all, that's uh, our episode. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys had a happy holiday and oh my gosh, happy new year. New Year's Day is very soon and we'll be back in 2023. Hopefully it's a better year Happy all winter around. solstice it's oh, winter solstice yeah. today just so y'all know um a little peek behind the curtain it's actually not even christmas time yet um we're recording this on the 21st which is winter solstice and nice. this is a time for us to go inwards and just take care of ourselves like really above all Take care of yourself during this mm -hmm. time. Um, and then soon it's going to be New Year, New May <laughs> shit. So yeah. just tune that out for now and do things that bring you peace and yes. get rest. And in the new year, we'll, we'll get back to the grind. We'll yeah, get back to the grind then. Yeah, okay. I don't feel like you have to change your whole freaking life just because it's january you can start goals and try new things any time of year it doesn't have to be just because everybody else is doing it you know like, yeah just love you yourself. really can do it any time of year i quit vaping in october i'm so, so proud of you i'm so proud of you it's been months honey and i haven't touched it since i quit code turkey and that's just proof positive that you don't have to do a New Year's resolution. You can do a Halloween resolution. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you can do an Easter resolution. You can do a, it's just a Wednesday resolution. Yep. 
doesn't any day can matter. But that being but said, yeah. I am going to be relying on New Year's resolutions just to motivate myself. And I'm getting a new planner. I'm going to send you the link to it. Yeah. Um, I'm really ex- – it's like a witchy planner um, on Amazon. Cute. I'm going to send you the link in a moment. We love to see it. And you might want to get it. I don't know. You don't have to, obviously. But I do love a planner. Should. You know, us, us both having ADHD, I have to write stuff down or it's over. Like – Yeah, I usually always have a planner every year, and that is what has kept me uh, just functional. But this past year, I did not have a new planner. It was the only year in my adulthood that I didn't have a planner that was, you know, current. Just felt lost. Just felt lost in this world, I bet. I did. I don't know where I'm going or what day it is. I sure did. But, yes, so... Um, enjoy the new year. Yes. Uh, it's about to be New Year's Eve. Uh, don't fret if you don't have anyone to kiss, because neither do I. Just love yourself. Yeah, just, like, take care of yourself. And you don't have to drink just because it's New Year's also, but if you want to do it. Um, I'm going to be sober Sally, as usual. Me too. Because I'm going to be working. I'm working on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. But it's like the night both times. So I don't have to be there early. Hell yeah. But yeah. All right. We love you guys. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and five stars if you don't mind. And we'll see you very soon. Yes. um, I just want to say that one of my manifestations going into the new year is that we will have by mid-year a hundred or more patreon patrons Ooh, i can get behind that manifestation i just that i want that she wants it she sees it i want that for us because i want us to go on our field trips and i feel like you guys would love to see us going on field trips out in the wild imagine what we could do in a in an actual haunted house oh my gosh i don't know if i'm ready i really want to go to bellwitch next year we're going to we're going to that's another manifestation we absolutely are going to do that let's do that for my birthday this time for real because they open in june i think they either open in may or june so i really really hope so all righty i gotta go pick up my husband's I got to go make spaghetti, my my weekly spaghetti. Enjoy your spaghetti. Oh, I will. I'm excited. All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. Well, actually, (laughs) we'll see you next year. (laughs) See you next fall. (laughs) All right. Love you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into Shook. New episodes of Shook drop every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify soon to be wherever you find your podcasts. Check out our show notes for more information on this week's episode, our social links, and more. Until next time, stay shook. Hey, do you have a personal paranormal encounter that you'd like to share with us? Visit our website, shookpodcast.com, to fill out our contact form. Or you can send us an email at shookparanormalpod at gmail.com.